Dr. Joseph Kent, American patriot, running for Congress. And our last two episodes, we've talked about censorship and big tech. And uh, this is the first episode in the, or with you, in the post-YouTube era, as I have been permanently banned from YouTube for having on the most published cardiologist in world history recommend four vitamins. So, uh, but for all the new listeners, man, please introduce yourself. Wow, that's awesome. So glad I got in on uh, on the YouTube before you were banned. I hope I was a small part of getting you banned. Oh, absolutely. 100% <laughs> you were. 100% you so. were. We talk about election integrity. So yeah. running for Congress in Washington State's 3rd Congressional District against uh, one of the 10 impeachment voters, Jamie Hurra Butler. She's the one that voted for impeachment and then also said that she wanted to be the Democrat star witness in the impeachment trial. Before that, she voted to stop construction of the border wall, voted for um, multiple iterations of the endless wars to include the uh, Afghanistan, uh, voting against the Afghan withdrawal that could have taken place a year ago. She went along with that. She tried to keep our troops in Syria. She tried to prevent Trump from stopping uh, the National Guard from being deployed to quell the violence from Antifa and BLM out here in the Northwest, voted for Obamacare. So pretty much she's just been an absolutely terrible Republican for all those reasons and more. I'm, I'm running against her, spent a little bit over 20 years in the military. And that's kind of where I am, where I, how I got here. And um, for, yeah, you absolutely had a part in us getting banned, 100%. There's, right. there's, I can't even <laughs> dance around that. And hey, I'm, I'm happy. Um, but so... With the withdrawal from Afghanistan, I mean, one I one of the first people I thought of was well, aside from my Marine veteran friends, I I thought of you, and I thought about I'm making the assumption at least that it's got to be there's got to be mixed feelings on it because for everyone listening, your wife was killed KIA, um, I believe a month after Trump tried to withdraw forces from that area, I believe it was Syria, and yeah. and so on one hand I see. You know, as you said, she that that girl, that woman voted against uh, withdrawal last year. But just taking it where we are right now, on one hand, I would imagine, oh, it's you above everyone else. I think get to weigh in on withdrawal, and then on the other hand, there's the 13 Marines dead. It's being done in a sloppy form. Veterans have to go in Pineapple Express and go do this. What are your thoughts, opinions, or or what do you want to say about it? I mean, if if I made that assumption correctly, that's is it mixed feelings or is it hard one way or the other? It's, uh, I mean, right now we're seeing just, I think, the collapse of 20 years of lies. There's there's multiple angles to it. The bottom line that I want, I want people to really think about and not let the media memory hole is that President Trump had negotiated from a position of strength a withdrawal plan that would have had us out of there in the summer of 2020. And he did that from a position of strength. That gave us, you could hate Trump all day long, but just look at the data. We had over a year of losing no Americans in Afghanistan to hostile fire. We had a couple of green on blue incidents where Afghan soldiers that we had trained turned their guns against U.S. trainers. But that's a whole different topic that pertains to refugees. However, we didn't have any hostile fire uh, KIA because of the deal that he made. Trump did sit down with the Taliban. The U.S. has been sitting down with the Taliban now probably since the latter years of the Bush administration, definitely through the Obama years. This is nothing new. However, Trump did it from a position of strength. He crushed the Islamic Caliphate in Iraq and Syria. He totally destroyed that. He killed the leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Our embassy in Baghdad, in Iraq, these are different countries, but same region, same terrorists, same mentality. Um, our embassy was assaulted in 2020, as people will remember. And Trump did the unthinkable. He killed Qasem Soleimani and Abu Mahdi Mohandas. Both of them, but especially Soleimani, were considered to be like celebrity terrorists that if you killed, 
um, according to conventional wisdom from both the left and the right, Bush and Obama, that a new war would break out in the Middle East. Iran would just attack this guy. He was he was untouchable. Nobody messes with Soleimani. And that's true. I actually personally spent a lot of time tracking Soleimani throughout the region. He wasn't hard to track because he didn't give a damn. He was the opposite of all these guys that are using cool tradecraft and we have to track down like Zero Dark Thirty for people who aren't familiar. Soleimani didn't care. He didn't switch his cell phones. He rode on commercial planes, first class. Like the dude did not give a damn because he was untouchable. He led an assault. He directed an assault on our embassy. And President Trump said, yeah, that guy, kill him. And we did. Right after that, Trump sat down with the Taliban and said, if you mess with me and you don't adhere to your end of the deal, I'll get my troops out. I want to get out of your stupid country. You can have it. I'm out. I don't want you guys to harbor terrorism. So if you cross me or you mess with my troops on our way out, I will bomb your villages first. Do you understand me? And they were like, yes, actually, we do understand you because you did just kill a whole bunch of terrorists and didn't care about it. But then the, then the intelligence community started doing a series of leaks, and they said that Putin had been putting bounties on the heads of American soldiers. And if we were to pull out when Trump wanted to in summer of 2020, that somehow would have been a victory for Putin. They tried to, they, they did a good job of tying it into the Russian collusion narrative that was on its way out the door. And that kind of gave it like an extra little bit of life. And that's where you saw establishment Republicans who just at all costs want to keep these wars going. They jumped along with it. They didn't do any due diligence. A lot of them probably knew it was BS. Like the woman I'm running against, Liz Cheney, a lot of these continuous war Republicans, they went along with it. The result was we ended up not with withdrawing troops. There was an actual vote to stop funding for any kind of troop withdrawal from Afghanistan in the summer of 2020. Um, a lot of really feckless Republicans went along with that. And then, so Trump said, fine, whatever. Um, May of 21, that's when our forces will be out, Taliban. Don't screw with us. So election goes the way it does. Biden comes in in January. Biden knows that if he has the troops out of there by May, it's going to pretty much vindicate Trump's strategy, not just in Afghanistan, but the Middle East. Biden has been, he's been in every chapter of these wars minus the Trump years. So if he goes along with the Trump plan, that just throws out the neoliberal, neoconservative establishment foreign policy. And he really needs a good victory because he's bleeding out capital. So he looks at the gen Biden goes to the generals and says, hey, guys, um, can you buy me a couple more months while the Afghan army collapse? Military industrial complex never wants to leave a, a conflict. And they've been getting presidents to buy off on or they've been able to finagle kind of like with the Trump years. Every time he tried to pull out, they turn against him. So they said the general said to Biden, yeah, sure, it'll hold, it'll hold for you know three or four more months, sir, no problem, because they figured they just got him to buy off on another extension. That's how these things have gone. Six months extension, 18 months extension. So the military never planned on leaving. Biden says, do it. Everything else be damned. I need this political win. I'm not going to listen to anybody on it anywhere. Just pull everybody out. And that's when you saw all this collapse. And the only thing that the Biden administration cared about was, one, just saying we ended it and leaving. Um, and then two, flying unvetted Afghan refugees, because they wanted to have this like woke narrative in there as well, that they were saving all these Afghans. The intimation was, though, that we were saving our allies. We find out that wasn't true at all. We've flown somewhere between 90 and 110,000 unvetted Afghans into the U.S. heartland. But that was the only part of the operation they really planned. And that top-down culture that said that all we care about is getting out and getting out as many Afghans as we can, that's what drove those 13 Marines outside the wire. They didn't do that on their own. I guarantee you the two NCOs, the two senior guys that were killed in that attack, I guarantee you they knew what they were doing was tactically wrong. We've been defending our bases uh, against suicide attacks now for 20 years. They threw out every single procedure, and I'm not criticizing the two the two senior NCOs that died in that strike. I'm criticizing the leaders. That's, for, that's a top-down culture. This stuff happens all the time. They, the subordinate commanders just get fed this line from the top that says, the only thing that matters is, and in this case, 
it was the withdrawal of massive amounts of Afghan refugees. We took no procedures whatsoever to get our own people out. Now we have a hostage situation with the Taliban. Um, there's a whole different other angle to that. Or now we, we left people behind. We never do that. We're not supposed to do that. We, we, have, a, we have between 100 and maybe even more, 250 Americans that are still stuck there. Um, and we lost 13 great Marines that had we just listened to President Trump's deal, had the establishment not turned against him, they'd be alive. And that's the same parallel with, with my wife and the three Americans she was killed with. Had they just done what Trump had said and gotten our troops out, then she'd be alive. Most of the other Americans would be alive. So I, that's what I want people to realize is that for all the criticism that Trump gets, he actually had a, an extremely strong foreign policy in dealing with these terrorist organizations, because at the end of the day, the only thing these guys respect is strength and power. Yeah, it, it seems to be that's the only language they speak. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've had on a lot of, had on Dale Comstock, Delta Force, CIA Special Activities yeah. Division, Joe Teddy, Green Beret, Special Activities yeah. Division, and they talk about that. They're, they're you know, I mean, I've met them in person, and you know, they, and I'm sitting here starry-eyed. I'm like, you know, is it just resource scarcity? If everyone had drinking water, and they're like, do you know what language they speak? Right. They they punch you, you decapitate them. They go, that's. I mean, yeah. But they, and it seems that that's that's something that I mean, Reagan. I mean, for all of his flaws, he, he understood you 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 talk from strength, right? You don't say, hey, you know, we're losing a lot of guys in Iwo Jima. No, you quite literally rise as sun on the land of the rising sun on two different cities. And then you go, is your emperor a god? And and that's right. unfortunately, it, that's how that's how the world is run. But it seems like there is also, it, it seems like you, like you said, I mean, it's, it's no new idea, the military industrial complex, you know, and not some shadowy smoking cigars pulling the strings of the world, but there's no really entrenched power structures, the iron triangle, it's a revolving circle, right? I mean, I mean, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, they talk about, you know, they have maps on who they have to lobby to, to get this, that, and the other thing. And you know, can it ever be toned down? Are we going to just leave the Middle East? And you already saw in Biden's speak, uh, speech last week mentioning all these terrorist groups in Africa. And it's like, are we just slowly pivoting to that? But can it ever be toned down and withdrawn? Is that why the election from Trump was stolen? It was removed. It was kind of the politically correct watered down version of taking Kennedy out. They did it with ballots yeah. instead of with Lee Harvey or, you know, whoever is... Is there any way to fight against that? Or, or, or again, I tend to do this with you. Am I getting way ahead? Is it first like you got to get in office and then we'll tackle the military industrial complex and the global? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you definitely got to get in office. But I think the thing is, for for people to understand is we get presented often in, in foreign policy, especially of terrorism, that there's only two options. That there's like Fortress America. We just withdraw from everywhere and we just let the world take care of itself. And, I, and libertarians like to talk about that. And I think we need to have libertarians in the room sometime to keep us honest. Like I was a big Ron Paul fan. I didn't agree with like all of his details, but I liked his starting principles. Like he's the kind of guy that I, I want to have to go explain where I need to use force for, because I'm going to actually have to bring some actual data and have a plan. He's not just going to be like, well, here's the blank check for uh check back in in 10 years after yeah. you've occupied some countries, you know? But then we also get this other neoconservative, neoliberal that we need to be everywhere. And not just we need to be everywhere killing terrorists. We need to be places rebuilding governments. Because here's the thing. There's there's bad guys out there. And we do need to go kill them because they want to do harm to us. But there's really not a lot of money for the military-industrial complex. There's not a lot of money in that. 
Like if you look at the early days of Afghanistan, when we went over there right after the attacks, there was a handful of special forces teams. There was a handful of CIA paramilitaries and using U U.S. power, unconventional warfare and U.S. air power. We took out the Taliban. We probably would have had to commit some more troops and rangers from 10th Mountain to chase bin Laden into Pakistan. But then after that, it probably would have been a diplomatic. Uh, we would have had to have really hard diplomacy and say, hey, give us bin Laden or help us get bin Laden. Um, but there's no money in that. The money is in nation building. That that's where all the cash is. That's what that's what the whole driving premise is. There's also the think tanks that fuel it with the ideology. And there's some true believers in there that really do think that we can go and send little girls to school and that's going to bring apart this change that's eventually going to erode terrorism. There's people that I think do truly believe that, but I think there's a lot more people that know that that's what pays their paycheck. And that's really what they've been saying for 20 years. And so like, they're just going to keep saying it over and over again, but really there's just the military industrial complex. It's a real thing. And what you can see right now, we're saying that we're already dealing with the Taliban. And again, I, I don't have a problem in de we deal with bad people all the time. Again, they got, they kind of got to know that you're a thug too. They can't just think you're a dove. But what we can't do is we can't allow us to say, okay, the Taliban is the new legitimate government of Afghanistan. We're going to provide them with aid in this new fight against ISIS. Because all that is is this military industrial complex being able to inject right back in there. You know, because then they're going to say, oh, well, ISIS took a bunch of the, the U.S. vehicles. We're going to need to bomb them. Now we need to re-outfit the, the Taliban again. People got to remember just recent history. In 2014, this happened in Iraq. 2011, we withdrew from Iraq because Bush negotiated a horrible deal. That's on Bush. A lot of people put that on, on Obama. Biden and Obama and Austin, like they failed to negotiate a new deal. But I was there then. Bush made a really crappy deal, and it was kind of hard for them to actually negotiate a different one. I know that's unpopular of conservatives. But we, when, as we were leaving Iraq, we were told, that the U.S. people were told, hey, don't worry about how we got into Iraq. Forget about all that. The good thing is we built this Iraqi government, man. They had elections. We all feel really good about it. That was all bullshit. We, the Iranians came and they took over the entire country. Um, the Sunnis had pretty much had the ever-loving crap beaten out of them, but it was a temporary thing. And we all knew that, hey, Al-Qaeda or, or ISIS wasn't a thing yet, but some form of Sunni extremism is going to prop, prop back up here. It's going to happen because of the, the treatment by the Iranians. Um, and sure enough, ISIS rolled across the border uh, from Syria in 2014. The Iraqi army threw its weapons down completely. They ran all the great U.S. kit that we bought them. It cost us nearly 5,000 dead Americans. It cost us almost $2 trillion to build that government. They threw it down. ISIS took the vast majority of it. Then, But then the great thing is the military industrial complex is like, all right, baby, we're back. We got our second war back again. So they came in there and said, we have to support the Iraqi government. The Iraqi government was garbage. One of the big Shia clerics issued a fatwa where everybody from the age of like 15 to 60, 65 or 70 that could walk and carry a rifle joined the Iraqi military. It was really called the, the mobilization brigades. It was a Shia militia. But we outfitted the Iraqi army once again because we were in the process of bombing all the equipment we had just given the Iraqis that ISIS now had. So it became this massive transfer of wealth once again, the military industrial complex being able to have another payday. We never addressed the issue that the Iraqi government was controlled by Iran. We still have it to this day. Our embassy remains in a vulnerable position. We saw that with Trump, with our embassy getting assaulted and Trump taking out Soleimani. But that was that that's the template. They said, oh, the Iraqi government is still legitimate. Don't worry about it. Let's pump more cash into it to fight ISIS. You're seeing the same thing right now. They're saying, well, okay, yeah, there's some problems with the Taliban, but we might need to coordinate intelligence with the Taliban. Um, you know, the Taliban, we, we have we have negotiations with them. And you see guys like Millie, the, the chairman of Joint Chiefs, he's the one that keeps saying they keep saying this over and over again. So that's that's what I think is on the horizon, because that's just another boondoggle for the military industrial complex. They can't just do targeted counterterrorism operations. They have to build 
build nations, they have to build armies. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's right. I mean, given sh- uh, shoulder launch stinger missiles to the Mujahideen to fight the Soviet, right? I mean, you, you can't make this right. up, right? Bin Laden on the front page of the newspaper, freedom fighter tackling Soviets. And it's like, hoorah. And then it's just, you know, 12 years later. And it's, you know, it's it's the World Trade Center on fire. And then, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like, I kind of, in a, like a dark way, I kind of feel like we're just streamlining our process. We're looking ahead and instead of arming the new whoever, you know, let's say China comes in to go after all the lithium, instead of arming the new, you know, Mujahideen 2.0, we're just going one step ahead. We're just leaving it behind. And so we go, we didn't give it to them. We, we left it there. I mean, the Taliban's already got, they've had deals with the Chinese Communist Party for quite a while. The Chinese, you never hear about Chinese guys getting whacked there. And China is doing actual uh, rare earth mining operations. They're going to expand the lithium mines. Like you mentioned, lithium is going to be, is the the staple for all this renewable electric car uh, batteries. And if you look at our infrastructure bill on its first pass, we give, we give China a corner on that market to the tune of like, 30 or 300 to 330 billion dollars on its first pass for electric car infrastructure and and this is being really this is being put forward by the democrats in congress the ones that are in charge of this this withdrawal uh anthony blinken the state department sullivan national security advisor all their underlings the susan rices and the samantha powers these people are all very at best sympathetic to the chinese communist party because they believe that we're a power in decent and they're a power and ascent. So our job is to like somehow come up with just this way that we can get along together. The Taliban's there in the mix. We're all just nation. There's nothing exceptional about being America. We can just get along with this new rising power and we make trade deals with each other. And that's how we avoid this Thucydides trap. That's how we avoid future conflicts. So we just give them this massive deal. And we, our economy remains deeply indebted with China. It's a very America last uh, foreign policy and, it, and it's all deeply linked. It's there's nothing that pisses me off more than that that bend over attitude towards China's rising and you know let's just they, you know they won't hate us if we do this for them when right. in human history has that ever worked and it's I mean aside from the fact that it's, it doesn't matter if you're America or Madagascar like stand up straight and just fucking defend yourself but this whole idea of like it's it's China rising listen like we had our time in the sun like go eat a dick excuse me it's but like it's just it nothing and i stopped speaking rationally and i start getting really angry at that but it seems like that's what it is is they're coming in it's and there's again there's some sort of like irony right it's like all the all the petroleum's there and all the all the uh uh fossil fuels are there and then it's like well we don't need them anymore because we're pivoting to electric vehicles and it's like well where's the lithium and it's like so i don't know how to tell you this but it's (laughs) same spot in that country that we just lost like 2500 americans for spent two trillion for like we couldn't even we couldn't even get that you know and like that's that just shows you these guys are so america last you know at least trump was like hey i'll cut our losses i'll, I'll be the one that gets us out of afghanistan screw with us we'll come back and kill you but i don't even need your lithium because i'm not taking the economy in that direction where we're going to be beholden to another country whereas the biden administration like i said at best they're just like, well, you know, America's a declining power. At worst, I think a lot of them are actually compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. They probably don't think they are. They can probably pass their polygraph, no problem. For them, it's just an ideological belief. And you can, and that reflects, especially in this, uh, the way this withdrawal was handled. I mean, people have been talking a lot about, we surrendered this field, airfield or that airfield. They've been playing like battlefield tactician from their armchairs. For me, everything, culture always beats strategy. I say that even as a military guy. 
I think had given, even put us in that horrible tactical position that we were in in Kabul, had we had a commander in chief that said like, I'm not leaving without all of our, our people. And like, I don't care. I will bleed a lot of you until we get all of our people. I don't think it really would have mattered that Kabul was in a bad spot, but you you just see that, hey, from, from day one of this withdrawal, we are just deferential to the Taliban. And if that resulted in us not getting all of our people out, like that's that's fine, that's okay. There's nothing exceptional about being an American. It doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, your government's gonna come get you or anything, which to me is just, that's insane. And that, that's what I think a lot of people, uh, especially in the veteran community, the intelligence community are really actually having a hard time with right now. And I, and I know some that even probably voted for Biden um, that saw this unfold over the last, whatever, two and a half weeks that are that are really having a hard, having a hard time right now. You know, I've talked to guys who are actually part of the evacuation that were there in Kabul and they're like, man, I've never felt so horrible leaving there. We lost 13, that was horrible, but we, we left hundreds of Americans. Like, why did we leave? It's 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 in, one thing I talk about is I've, I've I've talked to Mike Durant twice, and yeah. in his book, in the Company of Heroes, I mean, he talks about who, Admiral Howe and the Somalis called him Animal Howe because he was vicious. But like, he came down. Yeah. I don't think it was ID'd, but he talked to one of ID'd's guys and said, uh, "We're coming to get Mike Durant." and we might have to destroy half your city. And in the process, we might kill Mr. Durant, and in which case we'll be getting his body. But this is what we're doing. And it was very much, we don't want to, but hey, you know, we'll bulldoze Mogadishu. Like, we don't give a fuck. And hey, he got a, he got a ride right to the UN with ID. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. That, that- that could, that conversation should have happened really early on with the Taliban. Like, hey, we're we're in Kabul. We will be making runs out into the city to get all of our people. And we're not leaving until we get our people. And you're going to stand over way. Like that that could have been very clearly communicated to them. And maybe there would have been a little bit of gunplay here and there. But it certainly wouldn't have been us losing 13 people in this horrible situation. And had we even had we lost people in that, they would have been lost. We're going out and proactively recovering Americans, not just sitting in the defense, you know, like those, that matters, that really matters, you know? And now again, we're back to the situation where there's hundreds of Americans that are stranded over there, our own state department, because they are essentially embarrassed. They're blocking a lot of the, the, the flights that are, the flights have been paid for by private citizens to get our people out. It's just the most disgraceful and frustrating situation. Well, the State Department's also putting out uh, threats to neighboring nations, saying private flights being fueled in there will be met with, quote, consequences. I mean, it seems intentional. It seems like it's not, I would go one step further and say, like you said, I mean, they could probably pass their uh, polygraph test because, right, the best asset is someone that doesn't know they're an asset, and the Chinese are brilliant at that. You have to respect your enemy. But on the other hand, it starts to even look a little worse than just, oh, they're being duped by the Chinese. Like when you're telling these private flights there will be consequences, when you have to have veterans go in there and do it on their own, like some like plot to like a shitty B movie, but instead it's happening, like they're going over there. You got to start to think like, I mean, if it you know looks like a duck and sounds like a duck, I mean, it seems like this is intentional. They want this to be horrible. Now, is that something, is it actually the military industrial complex behind it instead of China? Do they want to make this look as horrible as possible? Give them all these weapons and be like, well, now there's no other choice. We got to go back in. Yeah. Or is it that China's captured the White House? And I mean, they're both equally, they're both equally insane. I think a good deal of, of both. And then you, you sprinkle in a good deal of like bureaucratic infighting, general incompetence and just like a horrible culture. And you get what we have today right now. The people at the top, 
the Biden political machine, I, I think they just truly don't care. They know that in, in their minds, like actual standing of our nation and American lives don't matter. All they're looking at is the polls. And they're like, well, ending the war is very popular with both demographics or with both sides of the aisle. So we'll be the ones that say that we got to do this come 22 and 24. No one's going to remember this. The media is going to cooperate with us. And there was like a week there. I tweeted about it. where like the media actually kind of broke and the media was actually doing reporting. Like CNN was out there that that female reporter they have that has pretty big cojones who speaks, uh, I think she speaks Arabic and posture. She was out there in the crowds and she was actually reporting. And I was like, wow, man. The matrix glitched enough that they tricked the media. The media didn't get the memo. And it also speaks to the media kind of gets butt hurt when wars end too, because they really like it. But it was handled so bad that they couldn't just cover for Biden like they did. I think now that we're about two weeks away from it, the media is getting back in line. You're seeing a lot more stories that are slow ball pitches for Biden. We've been talking about climate change. The mainstream media has been talking about climate change once again. It's like, okay, yeah, climate change, that's cool. What about the uh, the Americans you guys left in a war zone? But uh, I don't know, but they're still doubling down on that. And everything for them is like the political ends and they're hoping the American people will just forget this. And I I really hope if, of any of the casualties that we don't forget, it's, it's these 13 right here because it was not necessary and we didn't get all of our people out. And I, I hope, I, I think right now, we're just seeing so many of these institutions just absolutely shred all their credibility and it's exposing all the lies, especially the military industrial complex. Like now, right now, even everybody who I think normally would give them a pass. It's like, weren't you guys saying the Afghan military was going to hold for at least three months? And isn't that ridiculous on its face? And you see Millie and Austin up there just doing their cap dance mode with their stupid masks on, you know, but uh, I, yeah, it, there's definitely something to the level of compromise and just general, dis, you know, how much they just despise America and they're leading America, which is just horrible. Which one? I know you said it was a sprinkling, and yeah, you're right. There was a there was like a momentary glitch, right? It's like being in like a haunted house and like seeing someone on their phone, and you're like, wait, I thought you were supposed to be a monster. And it's like, ah, right? It's you did yeah, see this they, brief moment where it was like, what are we doing? And you can very quickly, like, I mean, we didn't see it, but you can almost imagine the whips, and they all get they you know get corralled right back in a line. But it's one and and this and now i just i sound stupid because well because i am but now i'm like siding with the military industrial complex shows how bipolar my opinions have gone in 27 minutes but it's like let's say let's say let's take the the view that biden is captured by uh by the chinese communist party and that this is like a managed a managed decline right it's like a, a controlled implosion would the military industrial complex, you know, would they look at it as like, hey, can we go move all of our, I mean, I'm thinking like a decade. And again, I know it's like, well, first you got to get into office before we tackle the global military industrial complex. But I'd like to think far ahead is if they started to sense that the White House was captured and they were doing things for the Chinese Communist Party and sort of a controlled implosion, do you think you would see the military industrial complex or the quote unquote deep state fight out in preservation and then remove Biden in kind of an overt way like they removed Trump is am I do I have too much tinfoil on is it I, I don't see the military industrial comp as demonic as they are I don't see them on board with the the controlled decline and the controlled rise of China because I mean they've already built up a pretty a, a pretty sick network for themselves right the global bases based nation by David Vine his great book the generals have no clothes by Will Arkin they already have a pretty insane infrastructure set up, right? They got all their, their NORADs and Mount Weathers, and they have all this stuff here. They kind of have the whole thing mapped out. Do they really want to pick up everything and now move it to China? So 
I mean, it's like where I mean, I'm arguing with two demons. One is controlled by the, the the Chinese Communist Party and wants to implode us. The other wants to set up a you know a never-ending war machine, which they've been doing successfully since '45. Is there any is there any logic to that, or is it more so like Tommy? I got to get into office first, and then we'll. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would kind of hope you're, you're, you're right that at some point they would be like, we're not going to put up with this and, and kind of flex their power in a positive way. But just being in the military for 20 plus years and, and seeing how the top levels work, I think as long as they were able to continue some form of war, and even if it's new Cold War with China, because that's really good for them too, right? We, we could we could pivot. The, the counterterrorism and nation building is the easy button because all the senior brass right now, they have, they were, they, the war started and they were either like colonels and so, like, they know this really, really well. Like, just more and more year-long rotations, these war zones doing counterterrorism, um, where we get to occasionally go kill bad guys, but we're also doing nation building and, and foreign partner forces training and bringing over more U.S. equipment for them. Man, that's the easy button. These guys know that. They know how it works at every single level. They can teach the next level of officers to do that. Then they can slide it into their jobs in, in the defense contractor sector, like like Secretary of Defense Austin did. That guy is he he has the template mapped out. So did Mattis. I mean, a bunch of them did. Um, so I think that they would be as long as there's a war. The only time you see them really break down is when they get told to leave a war. I mean, they turned against Trump, and luckily they had the media on. Luckily for them, they had the media on their side every single time. Syria, Afghanistan, that we talked about. Um, the media kind of went along with Biden, and I think the media didn't know what to do. When, when Biden said actually withdraw from Afghanistan, you saw like the three factions of the permanent ruling class, like all kind of hit each other in the head for like a week, the military industrial complex, the, the, the Biden politicos, and the media. And they're like, oh man, we're all saying like different stuff and that's a clusterfuck. And then now you have the result that we have. But I think if, especially if the military was told, hey, you guys can continue to have some form of a buildup in this massive budget, to project for this new cold, this new hyperkinetic war that we might fight with China, and every now and again, like we flex in the second, you know, in the South China Sea, and there's like navy boats out there. We put some Marines on islands. I think that they would be happy, and China would be like, I don't really care what you do because like your entire budget goes to support us. We're selling you this lithium that we've mined. You're giving it, you're, I mean, you're buying it from us. We're the only ones keeping the U.S. dollar propped up right now. Whenever we decide that you're not a threat to us anymore, we'll shut down all your supply lines that are cut over here. And then we'll say the yuan is now the new prime reserve currency holder. Everybody stop buying America's debt bonds. And when that happens, like we're basically we're Argentina. You know, like the only the only reason that we're not Argentina right now, because we don't produce anything anymore, is that we're the prime reserve currency holder. And so the second that China can like start pumping oil from Iran, you know, a new source of oil. Um, Iran and Russia, and they get all those guys in line, and they stop buying our debt bonds. They cut, they kill off our ability to do anything but purchase from them. But they have all our supply lines. Like they don't need to even have us fire a shot. Meanwhile, the military industrial complex is continuing to suck us dry, either with more counterinsurgency nation, nation building or just coming up with this new awesome fleet in the sea and in the air uh, that's going to take on China in this war that China is never going to fight us in because they're not dumb. They're, why would you fight a kinetic war if you could just take down our economy? I mean, that's that seems to be the game to me. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, you know, I almost have to wonder, like, you know, sure. And, you know, in the best world, we're all holding hands and eating granola. Right. I mean, OK, noted, but that's not going to happen. I mean, is the best thing, okay, like you can't have no war. Now what's worse? Is it having China or is it having China control Biden and collapsing us from the inside over, you know, decades long? Because that's that's how China thinks, right? The 100-year plan. I mean, that's how they unrestricted warfare, the thousand talons, never asked the way to the king's cauldron. Yeah. Um, 
Stealth War by Brigadier General Robert Spaulding and the Hundred Year Marathon by um, whatever the hell his name is. I can't remember. Former Assistant Secretary of Defense. Is it you take that and you go, that's a greater evil than, say, this permanent military machine. And like you said, I mean, there's only so much you can do with counterterrorism, right? There's only so right? There's war con, war construction. You build the bases and you have to have all the contractors. Sure, you can drop some JDAMs and we're always need to be arming rebels yeah. and all that good stuff. But, I mean... It's $10 on the dollar. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. That's why they don't like it. Yeah. Maybe the move is, and... I mean, maybe the move is that pushing for a new... Col- all right, now going really far out there, and I can tell, you know, at this point, Mr. Kent's like, Tom, what the fuck are you smoking? But, I mean, at a certain point, you got to wonder, is it one step higher? Do you let Biden start to bring down the United States? So, like, just like, but just like you said earlier, leave all these weapons and then go, oh, my God, they have all these weapons. Now we got to fight them. Do you make China less of a paper tiger and stronger and go, oh, my God, they're getting all this lithium. And are you playing the long game? Are you going now we got a sick 44 year Cold War on the, you know, forget forget conflicts, forget Korea and Vietnam. You want big money. You're talking Trident missile systems, MX missile systems, SDI, brilliant pebbles. We're going to be shooting down things from space like that's where the real money is. And if the bottom line is money, wouldn't it be another Cold War? I don't know. I think so. I think it'd be like a one-sided Cold War. I mean, we do need to maintain our military dominance. This is where I'm like kind of a middle, sort of a middle-of-the-road pragmatic guy. We, we do need to have like a really robust conventional military. The stuff in the China, South China Sea is worrisome, worrisome. We do have to have the ability to compete there. But again, it's it's going to be an economic war, cultural war, information war, which China is leading in. So, I, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, like, there is that whole ISIS trap that I just laid out. We're going to be back, you know, hey, we have to get, we have to go back into Afghanistan again. And that's going to, and the Chinese know, they're like, that's not going to affect our lithium mine. That's just going to keep the Americans freaking busy. It's going to keep them in debt. But then the generals are going to go, guys, China's also a massive threat. Like, here's our budget for 2022, 2024. We're going to need billions more to get our fleets and to get our, our, our sea fleet and our air fleet up to date because China's this behemoth. We can't overlook the behemoth. And, oh, my God, they'll throw in Russia in there, too, because they love throwing out Russia like Russia any minute now with its, like, economy less the size of Texas is. It's just going to, like, roll across all of Europe again because Trump, like, gave him the code to, like, where the gate is and the fold the gap or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I love how we, we build up Putin while well, we cut him oil deals. That's a whole different story. But they're going to say near peer. They always say near peer competitors, what they like to say. You know, so and, but that just justifies this massive buildup of conventional military hardware, which, like you said, that's where the boom is. But then also, like these guys, they know they know counterterrorism, um, big scale counterterrorism. They know counterinsurgency and they know nation building. So they're just gonna keep hitting that easy button, you know. And and the military loves coming up with these big budgets and then going to Congress and saying like, if you guys don't authorize this, man, it's gonna be like another 9/11. And they're just gonna keep saying that the next 9/11. The reason why 9/11 didn't happen after September 11th was because we invaded Afghanistan. Like really, it's because we were teaching Afghans to do jumping jacks and giving, you know, Ghani like millions of dollars he could fly to Dubai with like yeah sure okay gotcha yeah um yeah so i I think they're going to try both twofold and china is just going to sit there and they're going to eat it up they're like this is this is amazing keep spending the money that you don't have and we'll keep buying your debt bonds until we don't and then you're screwed 
Yeah, and there's one and one thing. I, I got you for nine more minutes. So I won't keep you for a minute over. But there's one thing I always think about. It's like real politic, right? It's like you know we can talk about all these you know it's like treaties and everything. And then it's like I'm reading a book right now uh, called Krupp, and it's just the entire history of the the that German military powerhouse from like the 1600s up through like the 80s. And their entire thing is always about like your treaties. Treaties are nice. Your uniforms are nice. We have the mines. We know we know how to create the barrels and like. It's very early on, like, hey, you know, that's a great, it's a great piece of paper you said that says, you know, we're going to have peace. Who has the planes? Who has it? Because, I mean, ultimately, like, I mean, what do we all know, right? You don't need to be Alex Jones. So ultimately, like, come on, we all know fiat, fiat money means nothing. It's, 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 it doesn't, it's monopoly money. It means nothing. The, and, well, then the next step is, well, the real thing's gold. Even gold, it's, I mean, ultimately, it is a shiny metal. Sure, we use it in some, you know, electronics. But ultimately, what's the real thing? Who has the breadbasket? who has the weapons, and who has the laid-out bases. And sure, China's going for the Belt and Road Initiative. We kind of already set up our thing over the decades, and so now it's just the norm, right? And mind you, I'm, I take this full-on the American side. I think the world is zero-sum game. I think we have to be the dominant power. But it won't matter like if it really goes kinetic. If at a certain point, right, China goes, you're no longer the reserve currency, and we go, ah, shit, there's never been a, a greater military power with greater extension around the world. And, you know, one analogy I always come up with is like, let's go, say I go to a loan shark, just some greasy, you know, fuck who gives me $10,000 or whatever. And he's got, you know, he's got his two henchmen, his two sons. Sure, you know, some big tough thugs. But what do I do with the 10000 I contact Joe Kent. I contact Joe Teddy. I contact Dale Comstock. I get some former Delta Force guys here with some belt feds and they're doing my security. Now the security goons for the mafia come up to me and they go, you know, where's the money with a baseball bat? And it's like, that's cute and antiquated, but it's like, here's the most lethal killers in the world. Like, how are you really going to collect your money? Now, granted that that's in a vacuum, but at a much larger level, I mean, what really happens if they are truly basing their whole thing on economic warfare, this very, which they are, I mean, I understand it. It's, you know, death by a thousand cuts. But if they're really basing it all on that, let's say it comes around to 2049 and we've got our, you know, Pacific Deterrence Initiative, we've got a Strategic Defense Initiative in space, we've got Space Force, we've got, you know, more carriers and nuclear bombers and B-21 Raiders and everything around the world. And then one day China goes, ha, checkmate, we're the reserve currency, give us everything. Are, are they going to really just go, oh, shit, it's time to... It's like if the Taliban said, you owe us money. I mean, are we really going to roll over? No. It's so, it's, again, I am. The problem is our elites, though. Our, our elites are so tied up yeah. with the, at, the, at the upper levels of, like, Wall Street, the upper levels of government, the way that we've shipped all the jobs overseas, all the supply lines are over there, the amount of influence they have in Wall Street and in our, in our private sector, especially for our tech companies, and the belief by our elites that, like, America is not exceptional and that the new future is going to be, ran by this oligarchy of you know technocrats and the super elite that's the problem right now so i i think tomorrow if we decided to peter navarro uh, one of trump's advisors used to talk about this all the time if we kick china out of capital markets and just said you guys can't do business here in the u.s anymore we're seizing every bit of assets you own in the u.s as reparations for COVID 19 we're kicking out all chinese communist party associated people out of america like just deal with it we would really be able to bring down their system probably fairly quick. It would it would not endure. They need access to U.S. capital markets. The problem is the people that are running our U.S. capital markets right now, by and large, not all of them, by and large, 
they love the free slave labor that China gives them because they don't, what they don't want to do, they're so rich and they're so greedy, they don't want to have to reonshore those jobs and provide for Americans because that will come out of their bottom line. That's how greedy and seditious they are. So I, all the, I mean, I talk about the Chinese Communist Party a lot, but the real problem is how seditious our elites are. Yeah. Like our elites just having very little loyalty to the idea that America is an exceptional nation and the wealth that they've been able to generate here should in some way go back to providing for our people. Like that idea is just, they won't do it. And then people on both sides of the aisle won't hold them to it. You know, like Republicans, like Republicans especially, Republicans are like, well, that's socialism. You can't use the government to go after these guys. It's private sector. Like, okay, well, at some point when the private sector has sold your entire country out to a foreign power, that's where you kind of got to step in. And, you know, that, that was a big rub. At the end of the day, I think that's one of the biggest rubs that the elite, the system had with Trump. Trump just said, like, this is a horrible deal for America. I want our factory, our manufacturing base back here, and I'm going to tear the crap out of these guys, and I'm going to play economic hardball with them. And that was really disrupting the system the elites had established over like 30, 40 years, you know? So I've got you for three more minutes, so uh, we'll bring it back down to ground level as I'm screaming about who's going to be a global space hegemony in 2049, and you're just like, you're like, hey, dude, I'm still raising money. I did the same thing, man. It's, <laughs> it's all right. It goes it's out. been wild last two weeks. It, it's been yeah. insane. Um, so for the remaining three minutes, what I'll put in, I'll put in the links to your website where people can go donate. You're the only, uh, you're the only political candidate I've ever donated to in my life. I like Trump. I never donated mm-hmm. to him. I've donated to you twice. Everyone that's listening, I if, if you like Mr. Kent, go donate to him. If you don't, don't. I, you know, I don't give a shit. Go do you. Mm-hmm. Um, what can people do who are listening who like you? What can they do to help you? Aside from donating, that's a given. What can they do to to help your cause? Where can they post? What you I mean, reposting shit? Is there anything else they can do? Is there anything else I can do? Because I've had on a ton of military guests. I don't know if you want to talk to any of them for whatever. I don't. I don't have no idea. I'm not running for office. I don't understand. I'm having on a Marine this Sunday who was in Kabul when he, and he was friends with several of the guys. Yeah, he's like five years younger than me. He's coming on Sunday, and it's like, are there any people I can help? I'm just running my mouth now. What can people do to help you? <laughs> I appreciate you having me on the podcast for one that yeah. helps man the donations are obviously big you know 5, 10, 15 bucks really helps um, but pushing out I think just any kind of content pushing out the message really helps name recognition right now is probably one of my biggest issues I got a big boost of that recently President Trump came came through in a big way and endorsed me which was a huge honor Matt Gates was just out here yesterday we did a rally in the district so name recognition is still a big hurdle to get over going after an 11 year incumbent especially with the goofy way our primaries work out here we have a jungle primary if you've never looked at a jungle primary google it it's, it's the most ridiculous system ever and it heavily favors the incumbent of, of, of either party um, so name recognition, I think, is a big thing. So any kind of content push that people can do, if folks have their own podcast, reach out. Like, I try not to say no to pretty much any media. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 the big thing. Just getting the word out, I think, is is how we uh, how we win and how we beat censorship. Hell, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'm proud to be banned from YouTube. And, um, yeah, well man. Well done. Yeah, thanks, uh, man. I didn't think it could happen. But, you know, I always thought it would be for me, you know, with you or with Dale screaming about seditious uh, elites. But instead it was me saying, hey, here's where you can find vitamin D cheap. I fucking, I guess, I don't know, man. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother bag to go into. Um, hold on. I'll, I'll stop recording. Hold on. Recording 